0: Welcome to the Hammer and Rails podcast. I am your host, Andrew Ledman.
1: I'm Casey Bartley.
0: And we have got a special guest with us this week, writer from the site, uh, Drew Schneider, one of our football experts, say thanks for joining us, Drew. Hi, guys. (laughs) Wonderful. Dynamite drop in, Drew. Um, One
1: extra word and way less energy than we demanded.
0: Yeah, so we're off to a good start. Um, I'm
2: suffering, guys. I'm, I'm My day into my post-vaccine, uh, and I'm about warmed uh, over. Ah, oh, I, uh, crap.
0: I understand. I understand. It took me about 40 hours to uh, feel really back to normal, so I completely get it. So before we jump into the football which is going to be the main focus of our podcast today um, but we did want to give a shout out to uh, Madison Layden rising sophomore from the Purdue women who has been invited to participate in the USA basketball under 19 team trials so she has the opportunity um, the trials are going to be in Denver Colorado actually a week from today they start wait uh, May 14th to 16th we are recording this on Friday May 7th um, looks like there are going to be 27 people invited and there are 12 uh, women chosen for the team. So good luck to her, and hopefully we can have a Boilermaker representing Team USA at the under-19 team. So that would be great news uh, for the women's team and some great exposure for her, and she can come back and be one of the leaders on the team next season in uh, Coach Sharon Versips last year, so that would be great news. Um, Now on to kind of the reason why we brought Drew on. He's one of our uh, football experts on the – on the writing staff here at hammer and rails. He certainly knows more than I do. So uh, anybody who knows more than I do, I consider an expert. So uh, we'll just go from there. That is a
1: big field, Ledman.
0: Yeah, it is a low bar. So uh, I think I'm devaluing the, the the term expert, but you know, it's my podcast. I can do what I want. So uh, we will, we'll just keep it in, keep it in. Um, So as you know, the transfer portal is pure chaos. Uh, I don't even know who's on the football team at this point. There's been so many exits, so many additions. So we wanted to take a little time and go over who Purdue has added and kind of what it means for the team going into the 2021 season, which seems like it's going to be a pretty important one for uh, Jeff Brom and his time at Purdue after things have kind of, not gone the greatest these last couple seasons and some of the fan base has already begun to sour on him so he's really hoping for a turnaround in 2021 so we're going to start with uh the grad transfer kicker who is coming in uh mitchell and i'm going to butcher most of these names because again i don't know who a lot of these people are i've not seen them play um so it's mitchell uh feinron uh who is coming in he uh, will take the place of jd dellinger so, you know, we needed a kicker. We got a kicker. Do you either of you have any uh, great insight on what we can expect from this guy?
2: Um, I mean, basically after camp, uh, the coaching staff went out and said, we have to find a, somebody that can reliably kick the ball. And this guy came on the market, um, and apparently that's what he can do. Uh, and so I think this was a case of just pure – need because uh i could tell with the uh, interviews um after camp that uh the coaching staff was uh not pleased with what they had uh coming in a kicker for next year
1: i've got a couple yeah, stats that think... are nice
0: oh love love, love let's stats let's hear them
1: 32 of 43 on field goal attempts uh over his three seasons with the bulldogs 74 percent. that's a solid c but 109 out of 111 on extra points so Sounds like he's accurate, even if he doesn't have the biggest leg. I believe his longest kick last year was 50 yards.
0: Yeah, that's what I see as well. And, I mean, it, it's hard to kind of take a look at an entire career of field goals and not know the circumstance and not know um, anything about those particular kicks. But let's just hope um, that he can come in and kick for us. Because if the if the coaching staff was that desperate and worried after spring ball you know they're looking for an upgrade and uh, it looks like in his most recent season at Sanford, he was 15 of 18 on field goal attempts Um, and that's something you can live with especially for a guy who's going to come in and you you exactly have to learn the system as a kicker but you know you just have to go back there and and put your leg behind the ball so hopefully it should be a quick transition for him even though he is moving from the um, FCS level to uh, I guess is it it's fbs still technically
1: footballs and are the same size the names, Ledman.
0: exactly the names are all stupid um so hopefully uh he comes in and he can perform just as well if not better than um jd dellinger has so i
1: tell you what well, if he's good i'm i'm willing to give Brahma a new contract because all i want out of a coach is his ability to find kicking talent
0: what? you know you i know. watched a lot of ted lasso i'm sorry you, you, talk, you talk about my low bar for the word expert. That's a low bar for a coach right there. <laughs> so uh, on the offensive side of the ball, looks like we really only have one addition that I can uh, think is going to make an immediate impact, and he is coming from Jeff Brom's old stomping grounds. Um, he's an offensive guard. His name is Tyler Witt. So, uh, Drew, what do we know about this kid?
2: Um, he's played a lot of football. Uh, he's out of Juliet, I believe, um, Illinois. So he's sort of coming back uh, closer to home. Um, he started 43 games for Western Kentucky. Um, one of their most, uh, you know, decorated offensive linemen over the last few years. Um, he should slide right into the right guard spot. Uh, sort of like what we did a couple of years ago with the uh, uh Western Kentucky transfer. Um, the offensive line, whose name escapes me at the moment.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, we, we've we had a lot of transfers these last few years, so it's not surprising that we can't remember them all. Um, Casey, I know... I've,
1: I've also been watching a lot of uh, British Bake Off, so decorating, very important.
0: I, well, yeah, it's all about presentation on the Great British Baking Show. Um, you want to get that handshake from Paul Hollywood, and uh, if, your, if your cake doesn't look good, you're not going to get that handshake. True words, never spoken. Um, so I know offensive line at Purdue is always, at least recently, probably the last five, six, seven years, has been something we've always worried about. Do you think this one guy is going to be enough to to put our minds at ease a little bit, given the improvement that the line showed last season?
2: Um, I mean, it depends if Greg Long can play left tackle. That's a big question. Uh You know, he came in as a right tackle. They just played a little left tackle at UTEP before he got hurt. Um, If he can play left tackle, I think everything uh, will sort itself out well enough uh, to be semi-competent. But if he struggles, then I don't know if Purdue has anybody else that can play that position. So basically, we're one deep. Yeah. I mean, we can start throwing bodies out there. Uh, after that or guys that have sort of played out there and not done well or just guys that haven't played out there uh, yet. We haven't seen, but I think long is the plan A, B, and C, and hopefully uh, we
0: don't get to plan D. (laughs) Well, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, So he is really, like I said, he's really the biggest addition on offense and really the only one that we think is going to make a difference uh, he may actually be the only player we've added from the from the portal on offense at this point. Uh, but actually, one guy uh, we brought uh, Dylan Downing back uh,
2: from UNLV. Um, okay. So he, he's out of Carmel. Um, he was uh, a three-star running back in the 2020 class, and uh, didn't know really didn't have a Purdue offer, and he went out to UNLV, and we uh, brought him back. So I mean, he had some uh, high-level schools looking at him uh And so you know he's a guy that he didn't play much at u n l v you know three carries eight yards, but with the uh, need at running back, it's possible you see him uh on the field at some point
0: yeah, we've had a lot of uh departures at running back, so that could de- that could definitely be a position of need so the, probably the the biggest impact we've seen this off season though is additions on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I believe Purdue has added five players from the transfer portal. So we're going to give uh, Drew some time to talk about each one of them. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, what do you think, before these before these additions came in, what was the outlook for Purdue's defense? I
2: mean, it was super, super thin, at a lot
0: of positions.
2: Um, the defensive line was, I didn't know who was going to go on. The defensive line was going to struggle and the back end, um, you know, corner was going to be an issue as well. So there was a lot of, a lot of makeup uh, in the defense. And, you know, this new transfer rule really helped out Purdue because they were able to go back and uh, correct some, maybe some <clears throat> indiscretions previously in recruiting Um where we notice a lot of the players going out are on offense and a lot of the players coming in are on defense. Um, the, the the roster is actually starting to balance out a little bit more where, you know, we lose a running back and bring in uh, a defensive tackle or then we lose a tight end and bring in a cornerback. And that's uh, definitely on purpose. Um, we're trying to sort of balance out a, a, the roster on offense and defense now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that—I mean—it sounds like it's something that needed to be done, and and we've seen the product on the field and know that for <laughs> for better or worse, the defense what, what we've seen on the field is what we, we we're gonna get. So worse. Um. Yeah, I, I was worse. trying to be—I was I was trying to be generous, but just couldn't figure out a way to get there. Um. <laughs> you know, I don't want to I don't want to put down the players or or anything like that, but. Uh, Maybe perhaps the best way of saying it is the system has failed them. Um, You know, they've had three. This will be the third defensive coordinator in three seasons. Um, Braum has perhaps, uh, in my opinion, fired Holt uh, too early, should not have fired him. Um, And then last year's debacle with Diaco uh, just set the team back an entire year um, and put players in schemes that they weren't comfortable in with personnel that didn't fit, and now we're we're restarting from scratch where we should have been able to do this last year. You know, if they really wanted to fire Holt, he should have had someone in mind rather than getting a guy who seemingly everyone in the football world hates in Bob Diaco.
1: All worlds. I people have anything
2: nice to say about Bob. I,
0: I, I've never met the man personally, but every time I mention his
2: name last year, people, especially people from the— uh, Midwest, I mean uh, I talked to some uh, was on some guy from Nebraska's podcast. He's like, "Oh God, he's awful.
0: You'll hate him. He won't last uh, uh, more than a season." And he was right. Yeah, I, I, I will never understand that hire. Um, I, do, I don't know if perhaps because I don't, I don't think him and Brom had an existing relationship prior to hiring him. So no, but he
2: I, had the point that he was Poindexter coached for him. Uh, okay. At UConn. Okay. And I think that's where the connection was. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: He's still only so, the second uh, biggest asshole named Bob that's coached in Indiana, though.
0: <laughs> I, so let the record show. We had the low, bars earlier. That's <laughs> I had low bar. bars earlier. That's a high bar, yeah. And on the defensive side of the ball, it looks like Purdue has added at least five players, um, and they added them at positions of need. And Drew, I know you just recently wrote an article um, about the defensive tackle coming in from Indiana, uh, Demarge Lewis. So I wonder if you can tell us uh, what we can expect out of him.
1: Sure. He's a
2: uh, you know, big kid, 6'3", 300 pounds, um, out of Griffin, Georgia. Um, he signed with IU. He was their top-rated defensive player in the 2020 class. Um and uh, so he was actually expected to play a little bit last year, but then they brought in uh, Javon Swan uh, from Stanford as a graduate transfer at defensive tackle. It sort of moved him out of the rotation, um, and so now he uh, decided that he wants to come play for Purdue. Uh, his cousin, Brandon Calloway, I believe his name is, um, was in our last recruiting class. He's also a cornerback out of Griffin, Georgia. So I think that was the connection there. And also Mark Hagan, Purdue's new defensive line uh, coach, was his primary recruiter uh, at Indiana. So, um, you know, great pickup. He's a explosive kid off the ball. Indiana was going to use him as like a three technique defensive tackle. His job is to basically get in the backfield and uh, blow things up. Um, and so, I mean, as far as defensive tackles Purdue has signed under Brahm, he's one of the better ones. He's going to be essentially a freshman coming in. So I had him lift weights and, you know, eat for a year. And now uh, we uh, get to garner those benefits. Um, he can play inside. He can play at the three technique. I think that's his primary position, but he can also move in, move down and play the nose guard. Um, so. It gives you a little flexibility depending on what you're trying to do. Um, again, real athletic kid uh, and an upgrade for the roster, definitely.
0: Good. So, I mean, it sounds like he's someone who you expect to probably come in and be plugged right into the starting lineup. I don't
2: know if he'll start right away. I think he'll he'll definitely be a uh, a bench piece or somebody that um, you know most teams actually rotate their defensive tackles. Uh, Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult position. Right.
0: Play four or five.
2: Purdue has been trying to do it with like two and three guys uh, recently. And it really hasn't panned out. So I think, uh, I think coach Lambert wants to use a little bit of deeper uh, rotation on the defensive line. So I don't know if he'll start, but I think he'll, he'll definitely, uh, as long as he gets the the system down in camp, uh, contribute, um, how much i'm not sure as a true freshman but i think he's definitely somebody that'll be in the rotation
0: okay all right well i mean as you said i mean purdue has been so thin on the uh, defensive tackle spot that even adding in another body like you said if he he comes in learns the system and is a big and strong body he's definitely somebody purdue could use so moving on from him we've got uh, a linebacker oc brothers came in from auburn um you know we did have uh Derek Barnes linebacker uh left Purdue uh via NFL draft so we do have at least one spot to fill there um is he somebody who's going to come in and make an impact or is he more of um a body who's going to come in and we're going to try to find him a role in the field
2: well the, he was uh, one of the uh, guys that everybody was talking about in spring camp as being uh you know standing out he's hyper athletic dude He uh, here is like a four or five he's, or that's what he ran in high school. I don't know. He's a lot bigger now. Um, he's, he's out of, uh, Florida, um, three-star linebacker, um, uh, went to Auburn and, you know, you go to Auburn as a three-star linebacker. Uh, you better be way better than your rating. Otherwise you're just going to sit. It's going to take you four years to get on the field. Um, and so I think he probably found that out rather quickly and decided to look for some more playing time. Um, and I think he could be a guy that, uh, comes in and challenges for a starting position. Uh, he's you know, 6'1", 230 runs to so be off the ball linebacker. Um, and uh, also with uh, Mitchell moving down to play on the defensive line, um, you know, there's two basically linebacker spots available. Um, and so I, I, I could definitely see him taking the off-ball linebacker uh, spot with his ability to, you no, play the run, but also uh, be good in coverage with his speed and athleticism.
0: Okay. So we we're, it sounds like we are actually plugging holes on this team with these transfers. They're not just, we need bodies, so grab whoever you can off the uh, transfer portal. So uh, looking at next, it looks like Purdue has two cornerbacks coming in. Uh, first one, we're going to talk about Jamari Brown from Kentucky.
2: I really like Jamari. I think he uh, is could be a star. Um, He played a good bit for Kentucky on a really good Kentucky defense. um, Not last season, but the season before. He's like a six foot three cornerback, which is what everybody's looking for these days to go out, compete with those big wide receivers and and be strong in the run game. And he can do both of those things. Um, Last year, he had a hamstring injury and then sort of dropped down the depth chart. I think he was looking for a new start. Um, But uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Um, I'm not sure if he starts but I do think he'll be in the rotation that corner rotation early again Purdue's been playing pretty bare bones on defense as far as rotations go but um, I think this season they're, you're going to see coach Lambert really try to get more players involved so you don't see the first quarter looks good second quarter looks good oh, third quarter they're hanging on and fourth quarter they're falling apart um, yeah yeah and that's recently. that's
0: yeah, I was say that's sort of been a hallmark of uh, Purdue for quite a few years now. Uh, when that since that depth is well just not there, uh, more like a kiddie pool than a swimming pool. Um, right. <laughs> so the uh, the next cornerback uh, that's come in is C.J. McWilliams, and he previously was at Florida. So, um, you know, I mean, before you get into him, I mean, we've just got we got guys from a pretty good Kentucky team, Florida, Auburn, and as much as I hate to admit it, a fairly good IU team. So these are transfers from, you know, pretty good schools. So that's got to make you feel a little good at least. Um, but uh, regardless, anyway, uh, CJ McWilliams from Florida. What do we know about him? He has
2: a very interesting career in Florida. He's quite a polarizing figure for a guy that didn't play a whole lot. Um, he played that slot corner position in Florida's defense for Ron English, who is now – the defensive back coach at, uh, you know, with Purdue. So that's where why he's, uh, McWilliams is with the team. He is a guy who wasn't highly touted. You know, Florida brings in, you know, a lot four-star defensive backs, five-star defensive backs. He is sort of a medium-low third-star guy. They wanted him to play slot corner, and he uh, he kept winning the job and didn't losing it. Uh, he'd win it, and then uh, there was one Georgia game in particular that, He just had a rough day. When you have a rough day against Georgia, uh, they might put up four touchdowns on you. And I I think that's what happened. And so he sort of moved down uh, the line and then uh, he tore his Achilles tendon. Um, Yeah, as uh, as a sophomore and sort of fought back from that and was in position last year. He started the first game for Florida. And then I'm not really sure what happened. He just uh, opted out and decided to transfer, grad transfer. So I don't it was a bit of a tumultuous time in Gainesville. But I think, uh, you know, if, you're, if you've got the talent to win starting job in, you know, in Florida, you've got some definite ability. He'll come in, and I think he'll probably start at that slot corner position. He's a little smaller. Speed and the, and the quickness to sort of cover those uh, inside slot guys. So it'll be between him and probably maybe Dedrick uh to see who gets that spot.
0: Okay, so I mean, again, it sounds like a guy who is is very talented and can hopefully come in and make a difference on a team that, quite frankly, if nothing else, could use his depth um, in order to stay fresh in the third and fourth quarter. So. We've got one more guy to talk about, and he's going to be the second uh, defensive lineman uh, Purdue has added, and it's going to be Joseph Anderson, formerly of South Carolina. And before we started recording, you indicated that he is the one who you think could have the biggest impact or could be the best uh, get for Purdue. So do you want to explain why that is?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, Anderson is a you know a four-star guy. If he were in one of Purdue's recruiting classes, I think he'd be top 10 all time. Uh, as far as as rating, yeah, he'd be the Purdue's sixth best uh recruit ever. Uh, um, wait,
0: in like in Purdue history
2: since 247, since they
0: started rating, yeah,
2: rating. So 2000, looks like 2001, Kyle Orton is on the list. So, you know, in the last 20 years, oh, oh wow. Uh, and so that's uh. God, I'm looking at Purdue's really been snake-bitten snake in, the, in their top ten. Uh,
0: yeah, I, don't, I bet Kyle Williams is on there, isn't he?
2: Well, let's see. Selwyn Lyman is number one. Yeah, Doug, Va- Vand- D- Doug Van Dyke is number two, who never played a snap yep. at Purdue. Uh, JB Paxton is number six, who never played a snap. Never hit. played a snap. And Malik Carr is number seven. Wow. But Joseph Anderson would be number six. and There uh, we go. So, we'll slot him in. So uh, we'll slide him in above old JB, push him down uh, the line a little bit. Um, Anderson is uh, a guy that is going to play defensive end or defensive tackle. Uh, he's uh, 6'3", 275 pounds. Um, so about the same. A little shorter, but, uh, you know, George Karloftis-sized uh, defensive end. Um, he's uh, supposed to be really um, team-flexible, so that means you can play him at defensive end um, if you want, especially against a team that's going to run the ball a lot. He um, holds up well against the run with his size. Um, he's not super, like, bendy, explosive like uh, Karloftis is, so his best spot's probably going to be inside um, playing one of the defensive tackle positions, probably the three technique as well. Um, and so another guy that, um, is, he's stronger than he is, at least when he was coming in reputation was a guy that was just super strong, maybe not the most refined, uh, skill wise. Um, but, uh, definitely, I mean, he was, uh, you know, played at the the opening and was uh, definitely an elite recruit top uh, 150 recruit in his recruiting class. So he was a huge pickup, um, and would. Like I said, be one of the top uh recruits in Purdue history. And is basically what they're getting is uh a guy he played well, he played one game in 2019, he played three three games in 2020. Um and but this guy with talent, South Carolina, uh, you know, hasn't been a good football team, but they have had a lot of good talent on the defensive line. And so he's sort of got stuck in a shuffle behind a couple of five star kids and, uh, you know, decided to come grab some playing time at Purdue. Um, I think he's a guy that could start, uh, again, depending on how he gets the system down, but should definitely be uh, in the rotation. It'll help Purdue out a lot um, against run-heavy teams, uh, holding up in the middle, slide inside, and get some good pass rush uh, from the defensive tackle spot.
0: Good, good. I mean, When we saw last season when uh, big George Karloftis went down, how much that changed the defense. So if we can get people to help him out, take away some of the double teams that he faced and maybe get any sort of uh, pressure on the quarterback, it can change the face of the defense entirely. So what you know, we talked about what you thought of the defense coming into the season with these five additions on the defensive side of the ball. What do you think that does for the outlook of, of the defense, what the defense can be.
2: Um, Jeff Brom has been talking up uh, the defense being a lot more aggressive this year. I heard we're going to
0: light the field on fire with yeah. gasoline or something that's, like
1: that. That's that's the, that's the rumor. Is that what it was about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, yeah. It's just the, it, I think it was like intensity and we're going to light the field on fire. And,
1: oh, I like, thought we were going to save money and get rid of the program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'll need a little bit more than gasoline for that. Not if you're creative enough. So that's
2: what no. we're going to do, though. Is I guess we're going to go out and play. We're going to be a little bit more aggressive and try to get off the quarterback, um, send some more. Uh... Lambert's got an interesting scheme where he's got three three down linemen that are, are pretty much always with their hand in the dirt. And then a the fourth guy who's going to be DeMarcus Mitchell, who sort of roams around the defensive line, so he might line up as a defensive end, or he might slide in and sort of blitz the A gap, or he might slide all the way outside, um, just depending on what Lambert wants to do. So that should be, it'll be interesting. It's not like your traditional uh, four-man front, but not Bob Diaco's, you know, three-man front either. Uh, should be able to get a little more pressure. So I think Carl Loftus and Mitchell are probably our two best defensive players, having them uh, both out there on the line of scrimmage
1: should should help a lot. So just to be clear, to go back to the fire thing, instead of being basketball on grass, we're going to be bonfire on gra- glass grass.
0: On Yes, on glass. glass. Um, I, I think the idea is we're going to uh, put gasoline on the field and then When the team runs out through, uh, you know, the big train, they're going to still have the fireworks and they're going to see if the field catches on fire and use it as kind of an intimidation tactic.
2: Are we calling this field the furnace again? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, We're bringing back the furnace. um, But this time it's going to be real. Ah. Because that was the best thing. Uh, that Hazel ever did was try to make the furnace happen,
2: and it, it did not happen. It did not. not happen. But um, yeah, I think the defense um, with with more depth should be in a better position uh, to attack. This should be the best defense Brom has had at Purdue. Uh, talent wise, I think the defense probably has just as much on front line talent as the offense this year. So.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a that's not something that we've been able to say. Um, I mean no. his deep his defense was was good the first season. They were great against the run. Um, that was a lot of players who were holdovers, of course, from the Hazel era, who Brom and Holt were able to get much more out of than Hazel was. But you know, when those players went away, you saw the defense slowly get a little bit worse each season. Um, so ho- hopefully now they've they've got enough of their players in. And they can hopefully build to the defense that they want. Even though, like I said, we are going to be on the third defensive coordinator in three seasons under Brom.
1: Yes or no, we're going to be the worst team with two top twenty picks
0: in the NFL next year. I mean, that's a how many teams are there with two top twenty picks?
2: Uh, I don't think we'll get two top twenty picks, but yeah. I I, think for we for the record, I don't either.
1: <laughs> okay, I my follow up question was going to be if you said no, whether that's because we wouldn't get two top twenty picks or not.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't I think definitely don't. But Karloftis I mean, that's he's he is projected to be a top five
1: uh, NFL pick. So I mean,
2: top five. What I saw top him at fourteen five? last time. I've seen him anywhere between like five and ten. Um, I'll, I'll believe that eight.
0: when it happens. I mean, I love uh, Big George, but I, uh, you know, I want to see more.
2: I mean, well, that's sort of everybody. If you look what he did, you know, as a freshman, he put out, you know, the best freshman stats of any defensive end in the nation. Uh, and then obviously he lost a whole season last year. Um, but if he's able to recreate or surpass what he did as a freshman, those are those numbers are off the charts for a guy his size and as athletic as he is. Um, 50 tackles, 17 and some, uh, half. Tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. And that's that you know a guy coming out of, the, and not even a guy coming out of a big high school. That's a kid transferring or you know going from West Lafayette to Purdue and not missing a beat.
1: Well, how many Mormon quarterbacks are there first before we know if he's going to go in the top five? I'm sure they have
2: like a 45
1: year old dude coming back that's okay. uh, ready to go, but it's going to make it more tough. Yeah,
2: but you know, and with all the so. He's got the potential, uh, and that's what makes this defense. That's what the defense really hinges on. You got a guy that talented. You gotta, you gotta ride him if he can get. Yeah, you gotta use him. If you can get 12 to 15 sacks out of him, uh, which is what he would need probably to be a top five, ten pick. Um, that's a whole different defense. The secondary gets better. You know, the run defense gets easier. Um, so if he's healthy and ready to go. Uh, Defense could be really good. Yeah, I mean, it happens to him. It's, if everything happens to him. It could all, it could all fall apart like it did last year as well. So yeah. it really hinges on how
0: good he, how he is coming back. Yeah, and it, like you said, if Loftus has a season like he did his freshman year, or surpasses it, it makes everyone else's job that much easier because so much of what the offense is going to do is focused on him. Then you've got these, these new guys like Anderson um, who can maybe get, get more opportunities to get through the line, get to the quarterback, maybe stop the run. Um, and then, you know, you go on back through the, through the defense and makes the linebackers job easier. It makes the cornerbacks job easier, the safety's job easier. So hopefully, you know, having one player who can actually make a damn difference on the field on defense can, can really change things up for this team. So, um, now, last thing before we get to the recommendation, which, don't worry, Casey, it's my turn and I've already got it covered. Uh, what do we think of this next season as a whole? I mean, I'm not asking you to, to guarantee anything, but I want each of you, um, We, I've got the schedule in front of me, what do you think we can realistically look forward to? Obviously, we assume it's going to be a full 12-game season. Uh, there's no reason to think that next season is going to be impacted by a pandemic or anything like that so uh, we've got 12 games and uh, i'm wondering can we get back to a bowl game can we at least go six and six
2: so i'll give you a range i think that best case scenario everything goes right we play absolutely the best football we could play i think it could be an eight win team worst case scenario where everything goes wrong and Injuries of the key players again. I think four, four wins is probably the floor. So, yeah, I think I'll put us at six wins playing for seven at a bowl game. Uh, I think that is very doable, if not a little uh, conservative of a uh, estimate. All
1: no. right, Casey,
0: what are your thoughts?
1: <laughs> Just no. <laughs> no. The pastry is overcooked and the inside's raw.
0: Wow. Wow. So – Do we have a soggy bottom?
1: (laughs) Soggy bottom. Uh, It's leaking out. We could actually use a furnace.
0: Wow. All right. Casey is not optimistic. I tell you, I'm looking at the schedule and uh, I'll do a, I'll kind of follow Drew's lead. I'll do a best case, worst case. Um, I think best case scenario is following the IU game. We've got seven wins. I think that is the absolute best scenario. Uh, I can see Purdue doing, and that's again, like Drew said, that's if everything goes right, if if everyone stays health healthy, and if things really do work out um, in Purdue's favor, I can see us having seven wins if everything goes our way, the ball bounces our way. Um, worst case scenario, um, let me just do some, let me just do a quick look at the schedule here. I mean, worst case scenario, I think four, four wins. Okay. Yeah, I think four, four and eight is a worst case scenario. Um, How but, do you guys get to four as a worst case? I mean, that seems highly
1: some... optimistic. I we have like four and a half offense alignment.
2: I mean, look who's on the schedule: the Oregon That's State. That's what I
0: was going to say. Yeah. Terrible. And then who
2: else? Go, go through it real quick, Levin, and so I can it's, it's,
0: it's I'll go and I'll I'll do the whole schedule. Uh, so no interruptions. We got Oregon State at home, Yukon on the road, Notre Dame on the road, Illinois at home, Minnesota at home, Iowa on the road, Wisconsin at home, Nebraska on the road, Michigan State at home, Ohio State on the road, Northwestern at Wrigley, and then IU at home. Am I missing something? Well, I think you're I think you're overestimating how good Oregon State and UConn are.
1: You're telling me right? every team in the Big Ten couldn't beat us.
0: I don't know. I mean who besides Illinois I mean, sucks. I
2: mean we beat how many times have we beat Iowa? Like every time we played a under bomb. I,
0: I honestly don't know. Yeah,
2: uh, I think I think the offense is good enough to get to four wins. To, I, I, I think that the combination of David Bell, or David Bell uh, and George Karloftis, those two, you'll get to four wins. I think you got enough playmakers to get there. Uh, and, at, I, I,
0: and I would also say, I mean, as far as the Big Ten goes, I mean, let's not pretend like teams like Illinois, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska are world beaters. But right. they're all programs <laughs> that
1: have been better than us.
2: I mean, Illinois just had a coaching change, so they have they've got what Brett Bielma as their head coach now.
1: When is losing Lovie Smith ever been a bad thing?
2: <laughs> yeah, but replacing him with Bielma, who has not had a stellar uh, post-Wisconsin career. No, but is... he had a
1: really good career in the Big Ten. I
2: mean, yeah, but Bob he Diaco got the table set. Team at the national championship. I, I
1: just I just think it's absurd to think that our floor is that high. There is absolutely a way that we win two games next year.
0: I don't see it. I don't, I don't think so. We
1: we were playing a four-string quarterback like two years ago. And then decided yeah, to start we him next
0: year. I, and hey, we were playing a four-string quarterback, and we were still in most games. I mean, Purdue has the most quarterback depth in the nation, probably.
2: We have, like, four guys that have legit started football, like, D1 football games. So, was no whether, whether, they're or, whether they're good whether it's good, right. But we could definitely go down we could lose two quarterbacks, and I'm not sure there's much of a difference between the first guy and the third guy.
1: Again, uh, I just don't I think, think we can good. lose a single lineman and we lose like three every year.
2: I mean the whole line's back from last year that like uh it is said was uh better I think than people anticipated
0: at least um, when they went back and looked at the film but so you got were, that up uh... they were I think to be honest they were the surprise of the 2020 season for me because the way they played in 2019 was I not abysmal but just above um I mean they were leaky the entire time and anytime it seems like a play was made on offense it was because the quarterback was moving around or some, or we got the ball to Rondale Moore within like a second of a snap. So when, or or I guess David Bell as well, but when, when they played last year, they got better throughout the season. And as Drew said, with everyone on that line coming back, you have to assume going. Yeah. 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 I'm just going to say you have to assume they're going to be better. So,
1: despite, that all makes sense. Four makes sense if you believe that we are going to win every game we should. But every year Brown's been a coach, we have lost a game we should have won. I don't have trust in him that we're not going to not do that again.
2: I will say that that Oregon State and UConn are worse than any team that we've lost to. Like, I mean, even when we went out to Nevada, that quarterback that Came in and lit uh, Purdue up. Um, he's gonna go in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. Like he's, um, you know, that's where he's projected. So it's not like, yeah, we definitely should have beaten Nevada, but he was he's a star quarterback and he sort of led, you know, led them back to beat us. And then that even that Eastern Michigan team had uh, Max Crosby, who's you know the starting defensive end for the Raiders now, and you know he was a guy that. Uh, Tore us up in in the in the mail in the pouring rain. So um, I I think that first of all, yeah, UConn and Oregon State are just bad. They're bad. They can't score, and I don't. I think you're going to have to score to upset Purdue. I don't think either of those teams can score, Uh, and so that's why I'm more comfortable with these guys, barring a hurricane or.
0: uh... Yeah, I mean, I I gotta kind of echo what Drew said there. Um, plus Oregon state and Yukon are very bad. Um, they will be very bad again next season. They were very bad in 2020. So those two alone should hopefully, you know, build some confidence in the team, let some, uh, players get some reps. Hopefully we maintain uh, a good healthy core through those games. Uh, and then of course that third week we play Notre Dame, which I do not anticipate that going well, but, you know, from there, we'll see how it goes. Then we get into the big 10 season. And um, it's like I said, it's not like most of the big 10 are world beaters. Um, Of of course, we, you know, have to go to Ohio State, which is going to be extremely tough. Um, But I mean, Purdue has played IU, Northwestern, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, they've they've played all of those teams very tough in recent years. So it's not as if we're going to get our our doors blown off by these teams just when you look at the matchup. So I, I feel fairly confident that the floor is going to be four wins. So I, I don't know how you know how likely are they how likely they are to get to my ceiling of seven, but I feel confident in saying the the floor is four.
2: Yeah, if I were to put, I think twenty five percent chance they just make the floor. I'd say fifty percent chance they go six and sixth and Probably put the other 25 of more than six wins. So that's sort of where I would distribute that point.
0: All right, all right. So looks like we've got uh, Drew with the most optimistic take, Casey with the most pessimistic take, and me somewhere right in the middle. So there you go. There's your there's your look at the 2021 Purdue football season. Um, we will have more as we get closer to, and we will probably bring bring Drew back on because as you can tell, he knows more. Uh, about this than Casey and I do but uh, Casey and I like to talk a lot so we don't want to keep giving the spotlight to other people so uh, before we head out uh, on this episode we do like to end the show on a recommendation it is my week and uh, just like I did with my first choice I'm again going with a TV show uh, that you may or may not have heard of it is um, actually a British TV show uh, that is on Netflix so you you can find it on there And as it is a British television show, there are not many episodes. Um, There's only 25, but there are five seasons. Uh, So it is The IT Crowd. Uh, Have either of you ever watched The IT Crowd? Boo. Yeah,
1: I think my
0: nerdy wife might watch that. Is that the sketch
1: comedy-like one?
0: No, not at all. Am I taking of what would you call it? The IT Crowd. Now Casey is furiously Googling to see a Yeah, that's what movie. I'm thinking of. That, that is very sketch top comedy-like. Oh, no, not at all. Yes, it I is. Don't, I don't think you know what sketch comedy is. Saturday Night Live is sketch comedy. I know what it is.
1: I'm saying the humor is, like, barely above sketch comedy.
0: Oh, that's offensive. Uh, the IT Crowd is, to me, one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. So... Is basically these uh, two nerds who work in IT and uh, their female boss who has never worked in IT and basically gets a promotion to run the department um, and goes down there. And obviously it's like a workplace comedy, so they become reluctant friends and blah, blah, blah. Um, And you you may uh, know a couple of the people who are on there. Um, Noel Fielding, the guy who – Casey actually becomes one of the hosts on Great British Baking Show – uh, is on it, and then uh, Matt Barry, who you've probably seen him, um, he's he's in a lot of stuff, he's in the FX show, What We Do in the Shadows, as like the main vampire on that show, if anybody watches that, but uh, this is just, like I said, it's one of the funniest shows I think uh, I've ever seen, it's, it started in 2006, so it's about 15 years old at this point, but it is so funny, And if you if you just want to try to watch one episode, let me give you one episode um, to kind of see if you want to get into it. This is one of my favorites. I got to find the actual name of it and tell you where it is. Okay, so the one I'm telling you to watch, if you want to try to get an idea of this, this is the show for you. Season two, episode one titled The Workouting. It's only 24 minutes long and you if you don't laugh at this episode it's not for you and that's fine you know not everything has to be for everybody but watch this episode it's 24 minutes long and uh thank me later because i guarantee you will enjoy it so there you go hold on
1: you can't make an asterisk and then guarantee you'll enjoy it it's one or the other
0: okay fine not everyone will enjoy it but i think it's quite enjoyable don't get on me with your semantics casey i'm not here for it (laughs) Don't take away my joy. I'm just
1: saying. I thought we'd last more than three episodes in before we got a stinker
0: of a reference. You recommended a recipe podcast. It's really good. Week, so I don't want to hear it. A lot of people
1: it. listen to podcasts.
0: Yeah, I do too. But and I a mean, lot of I'm people eat saying. food. Uh, I think the jury's still out on food. Okay. So uh, that is the that is the recommendation. The IT crowd. You can find it on Netflix. I think it's great. Casey thinks it's garbage. Drew is not sure. My
2: um, so
0: she probably gives it a thumbs up. There you go. So, Drew's wife likes it. I'll, I'll count that as two out of three. We'll go from there. Uh, you so, for have the my. For him. Exactly. Exactly. So, that is all for this week. We will be back next week. So, for myself, Casey, and Drew, thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure to like, rate and hammer that subscribe button we'll see you next week folks are you going to say barbecue sauce barbecue sauce